Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com Featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith Not just a profile picture For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com And the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website Is ready to help single Catholics take the next step In sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics Remember, CatholicSingles.com for faith, fellowship, and love. CMF Curo is the country's first Catholic health share ministry to provide an affordable health sharing program rooted in Catholic teaching and community. Learn more at MyCatholicHealthShare.com. CMF Curo. Healthcare fully alive. Well, hello everybody. This is John Michael. Do you experience those times of silence and solitude in your life? Come back and join us. We're going to look at afterglow and contemplation. All things are possible with God. Well, hello, everybody. This is John Michael. We are looking at the lover and the beloved, a Franciscan way of prayer. And we've been going through stages, the initial spark of attraction, the dialogue that gets us into study and doctrine and good teaching about faith and morality. Then we took a couple of programs and we looked at the charismatic, the rapturous part of our love union with God. So, This week, we want to look at the afterglow of contemplation. After a couple has consummated their union, if they're smart, they learn how to just relax and be with each other. No more words. No more emotional highs. Quiet being. Contemplation. So that's what we're going to be looking at. Let's start. Where do we get this in Scripture? Well, Revelation 8.1 gives us a good little heads up. It says... And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven, as if for a half an hour. I always kind of laugh at that. What's a half hour in heaven where there's no time? (laughs) But there's silence in heaven. Wow. And see, if we are bringing heaven on the face of the earth, that means we also have times in our relationship with Jesus where we learn how to just be and be silent. And be still. St. John of the Cross, who of course brought this spousal mysticism of the bride and the groom probably to its peak in the uh, Theresian reform of the Carmelites, he he says this, I shall not say what I felt, for I remained in a knowing, transcending all knowledge. There we speak about the knowing of unknowing. The knowing of unknowing. He says, I abandoned and forgot myself, laying my face on my beloved. All things ceased. I went out from myself, leaving my cares, forgotten among the lilies of the field. Isn't that cool? And St. Francis says of him, his greatest concern was to be free of everything in this world, lest the serenity of his mind be disturbed. 
He made himself insensible to all external senses. And he occupied himself with God alone. Of course, there we hearken back to the Greek word manas. Manas. Say that with me. Manas. It means alone. And any time that you read the word alone in Scripture, that's the word that's used. It's where we get the word monk. Monk. There's a little monk inside of all of us, isn't there? When we really want to enter into the radical, but not fanatical, life with Jesus. There's a little monk in our heart. And, of course, that word manas in Matthew 14, 23, it says, He went up on the mountain by himself to pray, and when it was evening, he was there alone. Manas. There's another really cool word, and the word is Hezekiah. Hezekiah. It means sacred stillness. It's used in Scripture in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. He says about praying for governmental leaders, and he speaks of that, and then he says, for the reason that we may lead a quiet and tranquil life in all devotion and dignity. That word for quiet is Hezekiah. Hezekiah. And so there's a whole tradition of sacred stillness, of learning how to be still. What's this all about? Well, it's like a still pond. You know, when the, when the pond of our soul is agitated and in turmoil, it gets all kind of all ruffled and it, it disturbs the, the soil on the bottom of the pond. It gets all stirred up and suddenly you can't see through the water. It's muddy. Sometimes our soul gets muddy too, doesn't it? When we're agitated, we have to learn how to be still to enter into contemplation. You've got to learn how to be quiet. Because then, if you're quiet, the pond, the water settle. All the muck in the, in the mud in the water settle back to the bottom. You can look through the water and you can see what's there. Furthermore, the surface that often gets fractured when we're agitated and can't really reflect the image of God in an in a unfractured way, it becomes calm and placid and like a mirror, and our soul begins to reflect the beautiful image of God again. See, So contemplation is, is learning how to be still. Hezekiah, Hezekiah. And, of course, there's another word that's very interesting. The word is eremos, hermit, quiet, desert, stillness. Basically, Luke 5, 16, he says, Jesus would withdraw to deserted places to pray. So we, too, have to set aside a time and a place for contemplation where we're not going to be disturbed 15, 20 minutes a day, maybe twice a day, and just be still, be still. We live in such a noisy world. We're not ex going to experience this contemplative gift if we don't learn how to be still. You still your body, you still your emotions, and you still your thinking. You'll never not think, but you can slow it down. And now, bang, the Lagos, the Word of God, will break through into your life. Well, of St. Francis, it says he was suspended in such sweetness of contemplation that caught up out of himself, he could not reveal what he experienced because it went beyond all human comprehension. One of the reasons we're silent, we can't say it. You know, the word for God in the Old Testament for Lord 
comes from the Tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H. It means simple existence. And they couldn't say that word. You weren't supposed to say Yahweh. You said the Hebrew or the Greek equivalent of Lord, but never the Tetragrammaton. Why? Because God is so big, you can't fully grasp him with your mind. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, nor is it even dawned on the mind of the human being. What awaits those who love God? See, isn't that cool? So if we can't think it, we can't say it. You have to learn how to simply be with the one who is. That's contemplation. So, interesting. Since we can't say what he is in his essence, often we say what he's not. See? God is not bound by space and time. See? God is not this. God, God is good, but we can never say completely the goodness of God. So St. Bonaventure says negations seem to say less, but they actually say more. The negative predications express God's transcendence. For instance, we say God is not perceptible through the senses, but is above the senses. He is not imaginable, intelligible, manifest, but is above all these concepts. And to learn this, he says, it's something mystical and secret. No one knows it except him who receives it. No one receives it unless you desire it. No one desires it unless he has the fire of the Holy Spirit in his life, whom Christ has sent to earth and inflames him to the very marrow of his being. So consult not light but fire that completely inflames the mind and carries it over to God, transports it in fervor and blazes of love. This fire is God. Christ starts the flame with the fiery heat of, the, of his intense suffering. Let us die then and pass over into this darkness. He uses the example of light. He says, when we face the very light of God's highest being, not realizing that this apparent darkness is actually the light of our mind, we think we're not seeing anything at all. The same thing happens when our eyes gaze upon pure light. We think we're not seeing anything because we've been blinded by the intensity of it. I love some of the descriptions that he uses of God's pure being. He says he is intelligible sphere, the center of which is everywhere, and the circumference nowhere. It sounds like gibberish. No, he's saying God is so big, we can only express his reality through paradoxes, apparent contradictions that speak a deeper truth. He says this really happens in Jesus, the incarnation. In him, the very first principle is united with the last to be created. God is created with man formed on the sixth day, the man, Jesus Christ. Eternity is bound with humanity. Man, born of a virgin in the fullness of ages. Utter simplicity is united with the most composite, pure action with supreme passion and death, absolute perfection and the immensity of lowliness, the supremely one and all-inclusive with the individual composite man distinct from every other, Jesus Christ. This consideration brings about perfect enlightening of the mind. In one and the same being, the first and the last, the highest and the lowest, the circumference and the center, the alpha and the omega, the caused and the cause, the creator and the creature, 
Then our mind reaches a perfect object. Here as on the sixth day, it reaches God with the perfection of enlightenment and rests. Are you resting in God today? Are you experiencing this afterglow of just being with Jesus? Come back. We're going to look at it deeper. All things are possible with God. I love you guys. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. And my spirit exalts in God my Savior. For he has looked with mercy on Welcome back, everybody. We're looking at the contemplative life, the afterglow after this intense, charismatic union with Jesus. See, a lot of folks, they like to read scripture and they like the fireworks of the charismatic experience, but they don't enter into the silence and therefore their life with Christ is imbalanced and it's not complete. It's not Catholicos. It's not Catholic. It's not universal. It's not full. And we want our experience with Jesus to be full and balanced. So we got to have this silence. And as we said in the first part, it means going aside, setting us, you know, going into solitude, going into silence. But we also have to be careful that we don't run away from people or speech or action by going into what's called false solitude. I like what the Buddhists call people that are like this. They call them bliss babies. All they want to do is be left alone. See, sometimes people say they want to be contemplative, but really what they want to be is left alone because that charismatic power in your life, boy, I'll tell you, 
that can mess your life up. It can really just it can really interrupt the 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 boring habit patterns that you've allowed yourself to fall into. So there's a true and a false contemplation. Sometimes I laugh, you know. I go, the problem with charismatics is sometimes we think that we're anointed by the Spirit and we're only excited. <laughs> well, the problem with false contemplatives is sometimes we think we're, we're being very contemplative. We talk soft all the time and we bow our heads, but we're only passive-aggressive. Because what's happening is you're just repressing all this stuff. You need that balance, the expressive and the quiet in your life to be truly, truly balanced. So Francis gives us some admonitions uh, that, that really teach us about this. He says, there are many people who spend all their time in their prayers. But if anyone says as much as a word that implies a reflection on their self-esteem... They are immediately up in arms and annoyed. These people are not really poor in spirit. So the good sign of a contemplative is if they lose their ego, if they lose their pride, and if somebody says something about them, eh, they don't care. They can just kind of go through it. See, so if your ego is if if your ego is driving your need for solitude or silence, you're going to be agitated when it's disturbed. Wow. So a real contemplative isn't agitated when that solitude and when that silence is disturbed. Francis says, They are truly peacemakers who are able to preserve their peace of mind and heart for the love of Jesus Christ despite all they suffer in the world. How about that? To, to really still have love and joy and peace in your life even though you're experiencing all kinds of suffering. You're experiencing the challenges. See, the difference between a Christian is not that we're going to stop experiencing challenges and trials and even tragedies. The question is, how do we face them? If you face them with faith, now you still have joy, even when you face the challenges and the struggles and the interruptions of life. He says, blessed is the servant of God who has no more regard for himself when, pe when people praise him and make much of him than when they despise him and say he's ignorant. What a man is before God, that he is, and nothing more. Sorry, ladies, that includes you too. <laughs> he wrote this back in the 13th century. <laughs> so, so if people criticize you and ostracize you and make fun of you, don't be disturbed. Because if you have that contemplative life, that union with God, you, you have security, you have confidence, and you have humility. Because humility is described as, again, just being who you really are before God. He goes on, he says, A man has the Spirit of God if his lower nature does not give way to pride when God accomplishes some good through him. And if he seems all the more worthless and inferior to others in his own eyes. See, when you're really operating in contemplation, you're not afraid to see the gifts and the talents and the wonderful things in other people that you don't have. And instead of that being a threat, instead of that, you know, making you defensive, you just go, praise God, they're so good at that. See? So you have that, that again, love and joy and peace. Now, a cool thing, 
get this, I love some of these quotes. Thomas of Chilano says, He made his whole time a holy leisure during which to pray. So whether he was in activity or whether he was in prayer, contemplation, his whole life became a holy leisure. He was resting in the Lord, even when he was at Walmart and Costco and Target, (laughs) even when he was at work, even when he was having to, you know, be under a boss that isn't a great boss or or maybe have to take care of employees that maybe aren't acting so good. See, if you have your whole life as a contemplative rest in Jesus, you're able to deal with these situations again with love, with joy, with peace. But, he says, but he rebuked in no small severity those who lived in a different manner than the ideal of the hermitage in the hermitages. For many changed the place of contemplation, get this, into a place of idleness and changed the hermetical or the aromatical way of life into a cesspool of pleasure. I know a lot of people who want to live in hermitages. They want to kind of be away, but they want to indulge themselves. They indulge their ego. Sometimes they indulge their flesh. They want to be able to eat what they want to eat all the time. They want to be able to do this and do that. They're just indulging themselves. And real solitude is a naked encounter with Christ, stripping us of all the ego, all the pride, all the sensual attachments. You get stripped away, and what's left is who you really are in Jesus. Bang! How about that? No distractions. He says, Once there was a brother who led a holy and exemplary life. He gave himself over to prayer night and day and observed silence so strictly that when he made confession, he did so by way of signs without saying anything. So he wouldn't say his sins. To all appearances, he was full of piety and fervent love of God. All were inclined to look on this friar, this brother, as a saint. When St. Francis heard of this, he says, You may be sure that if he does not want to confess his sins, this is a temptation and a trick of the devil. This man is led and seduced by an evil spirit. So there can be a false solitude. So we've got to be careful. got to be careful. Well, there's also distractions. What do you do when you get silent and you get quiet? You breathe in the spirit. You breathe out the old self. And suddenly in your mind flood all these things. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to do that. Oh, I could do this. Oh, I could do that. Or you feel things in your body. Oh, my back hurts. Oh, my foot hurts. Oh, I got an itch here. I got a scratch there. (laughs) All kinds of ways that we get distracted. The writer of The Cloud of Unknowing, which is a a classical work on contemplation in the Orthodox Christian tradition, it says, when distracting thoughts come to you, try to pretend that you don't even notice their presence. Look beyond them, over their shoulder, as it were, as if you were looking for something else, which of course you are. For beyond them, God is hidden in the dark cloud of unknowing knowing. Wow. So when these distractions, when you're distracted at prayer, I tell people, imagine, in another place a great writer says, imagine that they're a little rock 
coming towards you. It's coming very slowly, this distraction. Don't get upset by it. Don't go, why can't I still my mind? Why can't I focus on God? Why can't I still my body? Why can't? Don't get upset. Just relax. What's happening to you is what happens to everybody. Nobody's exempt from it. You see it as a little pebble coming towards you, or even a big rock. And when it comes, you just move your head out of the way, and the rock just goes past, and it's gone. So the more attention you give your distractions, you fuel them. So we don't want to give them that attention. We don't want to give them that attention. So let's enter into this afterglow with Jesus. Learn how to be still. Learn, learn how to be quiet. Learn how to enter into the great knowledge of that which we can only express as unknowing. And you will have deep peace. All things are possible with God. Let's take a moment and pray. And as we pray, I want you just to sit and breathe in the Spirit of God. Breathe out anything in your life. Distracting thoughts, disruptive emotions, maybe pleasure or sensual distractions. Just breathe them out and let them go. Don't get worried. Breathe in Jesus. Breathe out all that other stuff. And be still in the afterglow of our union with Jesus Christ. I love you guys. All things are possible with God. Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. Woodhill Community Center. Have a hand in the heart of the city. Support their mission with your donations at WoodhillCommunityCenter.org. Toyota in Nicholasville Superstore. Online consultants are standing by right now to help you find your next Toyota. Visit ToyotaOnNicholasville.com. Lexus of Lexington, home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at LexusOfLexington.com.